This is Fair Issues on the Mormon Faircast. This week's article is entitled, Keeping the Faith, a Consistent Book of Mormon Map by Michael R. Ash, read by Ned Skarsbrick. This and other articles by Michael Ash can be found at DeseretNews.com. This article was used by permission of the author and the Deseret News. Dr. John Sorensen has done more work mining the Book of Mormon text for geographic clues than probably anyone else. In 1992, the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, now the Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship, published his research in the 415-page study aid, The Geography of the Book of Mormon Events, a source book. In the year 2000, Farms published an updated summary of Sorensen's work in the book Mormon's Map. As a professional scholar, Sorensen recognizes that no text speaks for itself. All readers approach a text with preconceived notions, bias, and assumptions, and all people interpret passages based on a variety of other influences. In order to approach the textual elements of geography, as bias-free as possible, Sorensen spells out some necessary assumptions that undergird the research. Randall Spackman, who has received both the works of Dr. John Sorensen and John Clark on the matter of Book of Mormon geography, notes that both scholars explicitly or implicitly recognize the following important scholarly assumptions. 1. Simplicity Both scholars assume that the simplest interpretation is likely the best. As Clark explains, the best internal reconstruction is one that reconciles all the data in the Book of Mormon with a minimum of additional assumptions. 2. Consistency Unless there is unmistakable internal evidences for a textual scribal error, and minor errors are part of the human recording and dictation process. All internal geographical features must be consistent with one another. Sorensen claims that his research indicates that all the geographic details are internally consistent, and that Mormon obviously had an accurate mental map of the geography in which the Nephite history took place. Clark adds that we should assume no duplication of place names unless the text is unambiguous on the matter. Third, uniformity. Sorensen observes that the expressions up, down, and over, when used in a geographical context, refer to elevation. It turns out that they are used consistently and make sense in terms of elevation. Nature worked the same anciently as it does today, writes Sorensen. For example, we can be sure that the headwaters of the river were at a higher elevation than their mouths, and a river implies the presence of a corresponding drainage basin. This may be too obvious to deserve mentioning. However, some students of Book of Mormon geography seem to have missed the point. Although 3 Nephi tells us cities sinking into the sea, that another city was covered by the earth, and that the whole land was changed and deformed, 
we can be assured from the writings of Mormon and Moroni that the lands were still recognizable. As Sorensen points out, Mormon wrote his account centuries after the destruction took place, yet he was not confused about geographical changes that had occurred at the meridian of time. Although Zarahemla was destroyed, it was rebuilt on the same spot next to the River Sidon, and the narrow neck was still the strategic access point for travelers going to the land northward. Despite the changes that affected the people of Bountiful, their city, homes and temple were still all in place. They obviously had a continuing food supply, and their communication networks were still in place. As Spackman explains, both textual evidences and logic require an assumption of uniformity in the way nature operates today and operated in the Book of Mormon times, subject to the normal laws and processes of nature. When an internal model is generated from the text, we discover a number of significant features. First and foremost, the Book of Mormon events took place in a limited geography. Secondly, the overall shape of this geography, at least near the narrow neck of land, was somewhat like an hourglass and flanked by an east and west sea. There are also arguments, to be discussed in greater detail later, which explain Book of Mormon passages that speak of north and south seas. Helaman chapter 3 and verse 8. The description of the land of Nephi and Zarahemla as nearly surrounded by water. Alma chapter 22 verse 32. And why Nephi compared their land to an isle of the sea. Second Nephi chapter 10 verse 20. When an internal map is compared to real-world settings, it is important to consider, as observed in an article from Fair, that it is impossible to prove a certain internal or external map is correct. All we can do is show that a certain map is plausible and consistent with everything in the Book of Mormon. It may, however, be possible to disprove a map. If, for example, a map claimed that Zarahemla was on the east of the River Sidon, we would know from our internal map, based on the Book of Mormon text, that this cannot be true. If you like this podcast, you can help promote it by subscribing to it in iTunes or by rating it and writing a review. Post a link on your blog and Facebook page and tell your friends about us. Questions or comments about this episode can be sent to podcast at fairlds.org or join the conversation at fairblog.org. Michael Ash is the author of the book Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Both books are available for purchase online through the Fair Bookstore. Music for this episode was provided courtesy of Lawrence Green. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that of Fair Mormon.